Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, September 27, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. futures rise following the lowest close for the S&P 500 in almost two years. Despite the market turmoil, Fed officials remain hawkish in their fight against inflation. Double-line capital's Jeffrey Gunlack thinks the worst global bond route in decades may be over. And traders increase bets the pound could fall to parity with the dollar. Hurricane Ian is gaining strength as it heads toward Florida. Plus, we've learned that it was a small tornado that touched down late Sunday on Long Island. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashow in sports. The Giants suffered their first loss. The Yankees lost in extra innings in Toronto. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. And good morning, I'm Karen Moscow. I'm Nathan Hager. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SEIC.com slash tech. And U.S. futures are higher this morning. 501 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 39 points. Dow futures up 245. And NASDAQ futures up 139. The DAX in Germany is up a quarter percent. And the 10-year Treasury up 23.30 seconds, yield 3.82 percent. Nathan. Karen, the rise in futures this morning follows the lowest close for the S&P 500 since December of 2020. 10-year Treasury yields are holding near their highest level since 2010, while the dollar has snapped a five-day gain. Still, Daniel Gerard, multi-asset strategist at State Street, sees more strength for the dollar ahead. As we get more bad news, that's going to really hit the, the earnings growth and the earnings growth potential margins, etc. And there just isn't, um, there aren't a lot of good stories to find out here. And I think that we're, you know, in a, in a relative world, we've got to do our best. But um, U.S. dollar looks like the uh, the asset to hold right now. State Street's Daniel Gerard favors equities over bonds going forward. Well, as fears of a global recession continue to swirl, Nathan, we have a couple more bearish calls on equities this morning. And we get the details from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. 
Goldman Sachs and BlackRock are both warning that markets are yet to price in the risk of a global recession. Goldman strategists flagging rising real yields as a major headwind cut equities to underweight in the U.S. investment bank's global allocation over the next three months. It's staying overweight in cash. Meantime, BlackRock is advising investors to shun most stocks. It says that it is tactically underweight developed market shares and prefers credit in the short term. In New York, Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Lisa. Thank you. The turmoil in markets shows little sign of turning Fed officials away from hawkish policy. Boston Fed President Susan Collins and her Cleveland counterpart Loretta Mester say additional tightening is still needed to slow inflation. Here's Collins in her first public speech since taking office. Returning inflation to our 2% target will require further tightening of monetary policy as signaled in the recent FOMC projections. It will be important to see clear and convincing signs that inflation is falling. At the same time, Boston Fed President Susan Collins says it is quite likely inflation may have peaked. Well, there's at least one major investor who thinks the worst global bond route in decades is creating a buying opportunity, Nathan. In a tweet, Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gunlock says, quote, the U.S. Treasury bond market is rallying. He says he's been buying. The British pound is stronger today, Karen, after hitting a record low on Monday. Still, traders are increasing bets sterling could fall to parity with the dollar. Let's go to London and get the latest with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The pound and gilt recovering some ground today after that historic sell-off. Sterling rallying after collapsing to a record low against the dollar on Monday. But UK markets still vulnerable after the plunge that followed when new Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng unveiled the country's biggest fiscal giveaway in half a century. He's set to meet top bankers later today. It may not be the warm reception that he was originally hoping for. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. In Asia overnight, stocks traded slightly higher despite yesterday's sell-off in the U.S. We get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. A gauge of the region's equities fluctuated as shares edged higher in Japan and Australia, while Hong Kong stocks traded at an 11-year low. Bonds remained under pressure in Australia and Japan, where the yield on the 20-year topped 1% for the first time since 2015, prompting the Bank of Japan to announce another unscheduled bond-buying operation, this time at the long end. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Back here in the U.S., gasoline prices have fallen from their peak this summer, but they're still weighing on the white house and that has president biden sending a message to fuel companies the companies running gas stations are setting those prices at the pump bring down the prices you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product do it now President Biden spoke at a meeting of his White House Competition Council. Oil prices fell more than 9% last month. Gas has followed suit, but the president says prices are uneven across the country, especially in the West, due to low refining capacity. Checking oil now, NYMEX crude is up 1.2% or 89 cents at $77.61 a barrel. Brent is at $85.15. Meantime, on Capitol Hill, Nathan, the possibility of a government shutdown looms this week. And now Senate Democrats have released a short-term funding bill to try to avoid a shutdown. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has the details from our 99.1 newsroom in Washington. The bill would keep the government open through December 16th. It includes a measure that will speed up energy project permits, something that's opposed by Republicans and some Democrats. Congress can strip that out if it's a deal breaker. It provides $12.4 billion in Ukraine aid. It includes $2 billion for disaster aid and another billion dollars for home heating assistance. It allows the FDA to collect user fees for five years to prevent
prevent a funding shortfall at the Food and Drug Administration. Congress must pass the measure by midnight Friday. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. And in corporate news, a Biogen whistleblower will collect almost $250 million for exposing a kickback scheme. The company agreed to resolve the matter by paying the U.S. and state governments $900 million. The False Claims Act allows individuals to sue on behalf of the U.S. and get a cut of any money received. Right now, S&P futures are up 34 points. Dow futures up 220. NASDAQ futures are higher by 124 points. And the 10-year Treasury is up 21.30 seconds. The yield 3.83%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 62 degrees in Central Park. we got a broken-down vehicle on the southbound New Jersey Turnpike truck lanes by exit 10. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Hurricane Ian is gaining strength at Cuba on a path toward Florida. It is threatening to become the worst storm to hit Tampa in over a century. The National Hurricane Center says Ian is now a Category 3 storm. Mandatory evacuations are in parts of Florida. State Emergency Management Director Kevin Guthrie is in Pinellas County. We do have telephone companies on standby ready to restore critical cellular service if power is lost. But in the meantime, Florida should be prepared to have a communications plan in place with their families. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest on Ian. Michael Hurricane Ian made landfall over western Cuba earlier this morning as a major hurricane with sustained winds of 115 miles an hour. It'll reemerge in the eastern Gulf of Mexico later this morning and then re-strengthen and work its way up towards the Tampa area. Looks like it'll be making landfall somewhere in Pinellas County late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. And the problem with the storm is it'll be very strong at that time. It's also going to stall out. It looks like it is going to rake the Tampa area for uh, maybe 24 to 36 hours with high winds, heavy rain, and Storm surges. Michael? Rob, thank you, sir. We're learning that a small tornado touched down on Long Island last Sunday night. The National Weather Service says an EF0 twister hit part of the Suffolk County area around 11 p.m. They say the tornado had an estimated peak wind of about 75 miles per hour when it hit the town of Matatuck. No serious damage. Five days after President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization to call up hundreds of thousands of reservists to fight in Ukraine, the move continues to trigger outrage protests across Russia. It has also led to an exodus of men of fighting age from the country and acts of violence. NASA deliberately crashed a DART spacecraft into the small moon of an asteroid 7 million miles away from Earth in an attempt to change its orbit. Planetary scientist Emily Lakadua says that this is the first time that humans have altered the path of another object in the solar system. While this one poses no threat to us, it does give us the uh, first experience in understanding how we could prevent a, you know, a civilization devastating threat if discovered in the future. Pardon me. Pan- the planetary scientist Emily Lakadawa says it will take NASA a couple of months to determine exactly how much the asteroid's path was changed. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 
Just about 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. The Giants were looking for their first 3-0 start since 2009. And when Saquon Barkley scored in a 36-yard run in the third quarter, the Giants had a 7-point lead. But Dallas scored the next 17, and the Cowboys won 23-16. Both teams are 2-1. and Big Blue done in by a familiar problem, the inability to protect the quarterback. Daniel Jones was sacked, hit, or at least harassed over 20 times. Jones' coach is Brian Dayball. I thought he did a good job. I thought he made a lot of loose plays. I only had, what, about 80 yards rushing. I thought he hit, did a good job keeping his eyes downfield when he could get out. You know, he made a couple plays there at the end, you know, that we couldn't quite convert on. Hit some drop passes. Um, you know, the last play that, that Diggs picked off, Sills fell down, and he, it was a timing throw. That was the interception that sealed the win for the Cowboys. It was the only turnover of the night. And on that play, Sterling Shepard suffered a serious knee, knee injury. Appears to be season-ending. The wideout is the longest-tenured giant he has made it back from an Achilles injury suffered last year. The NFL announced no more Pro Bowl. They'll play a flag football game have a skills competition instead. In Toronto, the champagne that was on ice in the Yankee locker room will have to wait to be popped open. The Yanks did not clinch the AL East. They had a 2-0 lead, but lost in 11 innings to the Blue Jays 3-2. Ends the Yanks' seven-game winning streak. It's the sixth straight game where Aaron Judge has not hit a home run. His mother and Roger Maris Jr. will be back again tonight to see if Judge hits home run number 61 to tie Maris. Atlanta won 8-0 at Washington, so with eight games to go, the Braves are one game behind the Mets, who host Miami tonight. They'll go to Atlanta this weekend. That'll obviously go a long way towards deciding who wins the division. John Stashan with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, John. Thank you. Futures are moving higher after yesterday's big drop. We check in next with Jeff Yu of BNY Mellon. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly sunny, low 70s today, mid-50s tonight. A little cooler in the sunshine tomorrow with a high near 70. Upper 60s, mostly sunny on Thursday. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and global markets are made on edge as investors brace for a heightened risk of global recession, even as dip buyers emerge. Stocks are mixed as Goldman Sachs and BlackRock sour on equities for the short term, and Citigroup said bearish positioning continues to rise. Europe stocks 600 rebounding with U.S. stock index futures, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, they're higher up 32 points. Dow futures up 191, and NASDAQ futures up 123. That's up 1.1%. And the DAX in Germany is up two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 20-30 seconds, yield 3.84%. They yield on the two-year 4.27%. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.1% of 87 cents at $77.58 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $8.60 at $16.42 an ounce. The euro, 0.9623 against the dollar. British pound, 1.0786. And the yen, 144.43. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up more than 5% at $20,130. And as a Bloomberg business flash, now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Hurricane Ian makes landfall in Cuba on route to Florida's west coast. Ian is a Category 3 storm and is forecast to grow into a Cat 4 with top winds of 140 miles an hour. In Japan, world leaders and members of the public are paying tribute to former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, 
who was assassinated in July, but thousands are protesting the large-scale state funeral, saying taxpayer money should instead be used to address widening economic disparities they say were caused by Abe's policies. In Monday Night Football, the Giants lost to the Cowboys 23-16. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays 3-2 in 10 innings. Aaron Judge still stuck at 60 home runs as he chases Roger Maris' 61 AL record. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 14-8. The Nationals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. We're coming up to 520 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Jeffrey Yu, senior strategist at BNY Mellon. You see a bit of dip buying in this market after yesterday's continued route. Jeff, would you buy this dip? Uh, well, at this point, uh, I think it's um, better to um, uh, err on the side of caution, right? So a, uh, you know, buying a dip sentiment right now is um, just reflection that we've had three trading days of, um, I wouldn't call carnage, but you know, quite a bit chaotic now, ever since the wake of the uh, Fed decision. Uh, so uh, intervention from the Bank of Japan, and we've had the uh, supposed mini budget you know, from um, the UK government and the lack of a hike yesterday from the BOE. So markets have been whipsawing around you know, right now, but ultimately... If you think that the Fed is going to go very high in terms of terminal rates and stay there, uh, then your bias should be towards the downside and risk appetite. Well, what's your call on what the Fed's going to do in the next few months? Well, in the, Fed, uh, in the next few months, uh, for the first time, we actually think the uh, market pricing for the Fed you know, heading towards 5% terminal, and that's where we think the Fed will head to. Uh, that is just about adequate. And the next phase is, you know, of course, data dependency. Uh, if the Fed um, starts to observe that data is decelerating, you know, let's take a cue from durable goods today, um, for example, uh, then you know, maybe markets will start to um, you know, price in. A, a slowdown or an easing or something like that. We would still push back against those things. You know, we're going to stay at terminal for some time, um, but um, maybe the narrative can start to change from here into how high the Fed will uh, hike to um, how long will the Fed stay at very high levels. So would you push back against the narrative that we're hearing now from Goldman Sachs and BlackRock? Both of those banks have uh, soured on equities, mm-hmm. both saying that mm-hmm. the risk of a global recession hasn't been fully priced into this market. Um, I would separate those two things, you know, because um, the U.S. is so um, separate, you know, from how the rest of the world is behaving right now. So if we have a global recession, you know, that was the key word there. How much would it impact the U.S.? Does a global non-U.S. recession directly um, push the U.S. into a recession? We wouldn't go that far yet. Having said that, you know, equity relative to inflation, maybe relative to discount rates from right now, are still, um, I wouldn't say um, expensive, but certainly not cheap yet. So further downward adjustment is ha- is, is definitely possible. Um, but I think the narrative of peak rates, um, now that is a bit more justifiable. It's a question of you know, how long are we going to stay at peak rates? And I think that's going to be longer than what markets are anticipating right now. Where are you expecting the market to bottom out? Do you have a level on uh, target for the S&P 500? Uh, uh, no major targets you know, at this um, point, right? So we always you know, go for convergence, and it's always dynamic. And if inflation you know, comes off faster than expected, then we would actually start to say, okay, then maybe um, at around these levels, the S&P would be adequately quite for price, right? So it's not just a um, price versus earnings story. It's a relative to the wider uh, macro fundamentals. The one thing we will say is you know, for international investors, they're looking at the dollar right now, and they're asking when is the dollar going to peak, and that will start to um, impact the asset allocation into the U.S. Are more hedges going to take into place? Do people want to take the equity risk but not the dollar risk? Uh, this will you know, start to come up the um, uh, radar very, very soon for international investors. 
And of course, there's a lot of attention on the pound right now and speculation mm-hmm. about whether sterling is going to reach parity against the dollar. Do you mm-hmm. think that's a possibility? Absolutely, it's a possibility. It's, it's absolutely a possibility. You know, I've altered my views on this, and because right now, in one word, we need transparency. We need transparency, you know, from the Treasury on how this is going to be costed. Uh, and yesterday, the statement was released um, by, uh, I believe, um, end of November. We are going to see a full costing, you know, of um, the tax cuts. Um, but that's going to be um, after the next Bank of England decision as well. So even if you um, don't believe that Bank of England are going to do an interim meeting hike, uh, even still, you know, the November meeting, the BOE is heading into that without um, full information, right? So the bias is going to be towards, you know, caution um, and selling of guilt, um, uh, higher inflation expectations. Uh, so we just need to hear more from the government on how all of this is going to work out. You know, until then, I don't think people are going to be dashing back into the pound. Are you looking for even more of a jumbo interest rate hike from the Bank of England than the jumbo hikes that they've already delivered? Yes, yes, right. Uh, because, you know, with the status quo, uh, the amount of jumbo stimulus that is being delivered, then you are going to need a jumbo hike, you know, to um, offset that, uh, right, uh, to restrain conditions. So market was pricing in 200 basis points by November. Uh, I think that is adequate you know, at this point. They, they probably definitely need to go into triple digits, at least, you know, if not more. Um, and if not, you know, then certainly the you know, sterling risk is to the downside. Of course, if there's some adjustments in the fiscal plan, then we can discuss. But as things stand, we need a jumbo hike to offset a jumbo stimulus. So good to get your thoughts this morning, Jeff. Really appreciate you having come on with us. Jeffrey Yu, Senior Strategist at BNY Mellon with us this morning as we watch futures continue to move higher after yesterday's drop. S&P futures are up 29 points. Dow futures up 171 and NASDAQ futures are higher by 109 points. The 10-year Treasury getting a bid up 20, 30 seconds, yield 3.83%. And the yield on the two-year right now, two or 4.27 percent checking the british pound 1.0791 against the dollar you're listening to bloomberg daybreak bloomberg 1130 weather sunshine low 70s today we'll get down to the mid 50s tonight a little bit cooler still sunny tomorrow with a high near 70 upper 60s by thursday right now 61 in central park Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1061, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Global markets remain on edge as concerns swirl about a global recession. Futures are higher following the lowest close for the S&P 500 since December of 2020. Bonds remain under pressure from the worst sell-off in decades with the 10-year Treasury yield holding near the highest level since 2010. Meantime, the British pound is stronger today, Karen, after hitting a record low Monday. Still, speculators are betting sterling will slide to a level virtually unthinkable in recent decades, a dollar or even less. Kit Jukes is chief FX strategist at Societe Generale. This is a loss of confidence, at least to some degree, in, in policy, because normally, I mean, you know, President Reagan and Paul Volcker managed to put rates up an enormous amount and ease fiscal policy dramatically and sent the dollar to the moon. Uh, at one level, the U.K. Chancellor and the Bank of England doing the same thing and sending it, I don't know, to the floor. 
Those comments from Kid Jukes come as bets against the pound now show a 43% chance of parity with the dollar before year's end. Meantime, Nathan Goldman Sachs and BlackRock are turning more bearish on U.S. equities, at least for the short term. Both warn that markets have yet to price in the risk of a global recession. Goldman is cutting equities to underweight over the next three months. BlackRock is advising investors to shun most stocks. And the turmoil in markets shows little sign of turning Fed officials away from hawkish policy care. In Boston, Fed President Susan Collins and her Cleveland counterpart Loretta Mester say additional tightening is still needed. Here's the latest view from Mester. So the FOMC is committed to using its tools to bring inflation back down to our long-run goal of 2%. Last week, we took another decisive action to remove monetary policy accommodation. We raised the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Bester says she'd like to see inflation cool for several months before concluding that it's peaked. And there's at least one major investor who thinks the worst global bond route in decades may be ending, Nathan. In a tweet, Double Line Capital's Jeffrey Gunlock says, quote, the U.S. Treasury bond market is rallying, and he says he's been buying. Futures this morning, as we said, are on the rise. S&P futures up almost 28 points. Dow futures up 161. And NASDAQ futures up 105. They are off their highs in the morning. The DAX in Germany is up tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 20.30 seconds, yield 3.84 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.27 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1 percent, or 79 cents. at $77.50 cents a barrel. The euro, 0.9619 against the dollar. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports, and this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. Got a crash eastbound Nassau Expressway at the Van Wick. More coming up on that in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Cuba as it roars on a path that could see it hit Florida's west coast as a Category 4 hurricane. Ian is now a Cat 3 as it's forecast to hit Florida by late Wednesday, early Thursday. It's threatening to become the worst storm to hit Tampa in over a century. In Key West, Mayor Terry Johnston says FEMA has been deploying food, water, and generators to the storm zone. We have started our preparations about two days ago. And, of course, all of our residents are buttoning up their homes, and that includes storm shutters and taking anything that could be a flying projectile and high winds out of their yard. Mayor Johnston says they have shut down City Hall. We're learning that a small tornado touched down on Long Island last Sunday night. The National Weather Service says an EF0 twister hit part of Suffolk County in the town of Matatuck. No serious damage. Vice President Kamala Harris continues her Asian trip today, meeting with regional leaders in Tokyo, Japan, and attending the state funeral of assassinated Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. Last night, in fact, we uh, celebrated his life with a dinner that was hosted by the current Prime Minister of Japan, where... There were wonderful stories being told by people who spent time with him about his life and his legacy. However, more than half of the Japanese public opposed Abe's state funeral over the cost and the close ties that have emerged between Abe and more than half of the ruling Liberal Democratic Party and the Unification Church. NASA intentionally crashed a spacecraft into an asteroid in hopes of altering its orbit. In November of last year, NASA launched the DART spacecraft the size of a refrigerator. Nearly a year and seven million miles later, DART slammed into the asteroid last night. NASA says it will take a couple of months to determine exactly how much the asteroid's path was changed.
Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. Thanks, Nathan. Monday Night Football and a whiteout at MetLife Stadium. You see the Giants trying to get to 3-0. They had a third-quarter lead after Saquon Barkley's 36-yard touchdown run. But Dallas came back at Cooper Rush. TD passed to C.D. Lamb with eight and a half minutes left. Gave the Cowboys the lead. They won 23-16. to Lamb dropped a pass that would have been a long touchdown in the first half, but he more than made up for it with the game winner that he caught one-handed. Dallas has now won 10 of the last 11 versus Big Blue. Giants are 2-1. and one. Play Chicago Sunday. The offensive line needs to do a better job in pass protection. Daniel Jones last night sacked five times. They're a good front. They're a good defense. you got to give credit to them. Um, they played hard. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's things we can all do better with, with that, and uh, that starts with me and, you know, finding space to step up, finding space to move around the pocket and, and uh, make some plays. Tough moment late in the game. Sterling Shepard, the Giants' longest tenured Giant, who made it back from last year's Achilles injury, suffered what appears to be a serious, perhaps season-ending knee injury. Patriots QB Mac Jones has what's been called a severe high ankle sprain. He'll miss multiple games. Big game Sunday, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. It's not known where that game will be played due to the impending hurricane in Tampa. In Toronto, Blue Jays beat the Yankees 3-2, 10 innings. That prevents the Yanks from clinching the AL East. Another chance tonight and another chance for Aaron Judge to hit home run number 61. He had a hit, two walks, but now six straight games without a homer. Mets host Miami tonight. Their lead over Atlanta. Now just one game with eight games to go. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg Zed Corey. Three people involved with a $100 million public company built around a New Jersey deli are charged with market manipulation. Federal prosecutors Monday accused the three of artificially inflating the price of two companies. One ran your hometown deli in Paulsboro, New Jersey. The Port of New York and New Jersey outpaced competitors in California to finish August as the busiest container operation in the U.S., the East Coast Complex moved 843,191 20-foot equivalent units last month. Cryptocurrency lending platform Nexo has been accused by New York Attorney General Letitia James of falsely claiming it was a licensed broker-dealer. A suit filed Monday alleges Nexo failed to register as required by state law while telling investors it was fully in compliance. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on WFLA Tampa Bay. We're talking about how the post-hurricane Ian construction costs could top a quarter trillion dollars. I'm Courtney Dunahill on KTRH in Houston. Remote work drove over 60% of the increase in house prices during the pandemic. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that a federal court has tossed most, but not all, of a lawsuit alleging that Target copied a digital room planning app. 
I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the Chancellor Quasi Quarteng meeting top financiers after his tax cut plan sent the pound plummeting. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting environmental regulators have laid out enforcement actions against Stellantis for air quality problems in Detroit. And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 5.39 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador is taking steps to increase the military's role in public security. In doing so, he hopes to contain a surge in drug-related violence. But degrading the power of Mexico's drug cartels will require more than that. The Mexican government needs to devote more resources toward identifying and dismantling drug laboratories and address the weaknesses of its criminal justice system. And even more importantly, Mexico should reinvigorate security cooperation with the U.S. and ease restrictions on American anti-drug operations. The U.S. and Mexico have a shared interest in combating drug trafficking and violence. Closer security cooperation is necessary to protect civilians on both sides of the border. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures now up 30 points. Dow futures up 180. NASDAQ futures are higher by 117 points. We speak next with Daniel Morris of BNP Paribas. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, low 70s today, mid-50s tonight. We'll get up to near 70 tomorrow under a sunny sky. Mostly sunny, upper 60s by Thursday. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Global markets remain on edge as investors brace for a heightened risk of global recession, even as dip buyers emerge. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And futures are higher. S&P futures up 31 points. Dow futures up 182. And NASDAQ futures up 120. The DAX in Germany is up three-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 21.30 seconds. Yield 3.83%. Yield on the two-year, 4.27%. NYMEX crude oil up 1.4% up a dollar eleven at seventy-seven dollars eighty-two cents a barrel. Comex gold up half percent or eight dollars twenty cents at sixteen forty-one sixty an ounce. The euro point nine six two four against the dollar. British pound one point oh seven nine nine and the yen one forty-four point four two. And looking at Bitcoin, it's up five and a half percent at twenty thousand one hundred seventy dollars. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Florida is bracing for her. Hurricane Ian, now a Category 3 storm. Forecasters expect Ian to make landfall on Florida's Gulf Coast, possibly as a Category 4 hurricane late tomorrow or early Thursday, dumping up to 16 inches of rain and bringing a storm surge of up to 10 feet to the Tampa area. Senate Democrats released a short-term government funding bill late last night that included a measure to speed up energy project permits. 
It is opposed by most Republicans and some Democrats. Monday Night Football, the Giants lost to the Cowboys 23-16. In baseball, the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays in 10 innings, 3-2. Aaron Judge still stuck at 60 home runs as he chases Roger Maris's 61 AL record. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 14-8. The Nationals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Tank. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. We're at 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we're joined now by Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Uh, Daniel, it's good to speak with you this morning as we watch this uh, rally after yesterday's uh, big drop for the S&P 500. Do you think this market's found bottom, or could it have further to fall? Well, of course, uh, the, the trick is to propose a level and a date, but never both at the same time. So for now, I think it is uh, certainly possible we do get a bit of a bounce. It was a quite steep fall, and we want to step back and think about the current macroeconomic data, which for the most part in the U.S. is still pretty supportive. So I think that would make sense. We're going into the third quarter earnings season. Uh, I think, again, given that growth for now is good, really anticipating the numbers will be fine. So I think that could provide could provide some support in the short term. But we've still got to realize that by, that by second quarter of next year, you may have negative GDP growth. All right. So in the medium term, what is your outlook as we uh, head into this earnings season here? Well, if if you look at what's supposed to happen in the U.S., I mean, really the point of what the Fed is doing is to significantly slow down growth uh, to bring inflation down. There really doesn't seem to be any other way to make that happen, and that's got to have an impact on corporate earnings at some point. So the medium-term outlook for U.S. equities we still think is challenged, uh, but that's why we're looking for overweights in other regions and countries in the world, given what you see ahead in the U.S. Interesting looking for overweights in other regions, given the strength we've seen in the dollar. Obviously, on the session, it's pulling back a bit, but that's got to be difficult for uh, other markets when you have this kind of outsized dollar strength in the market, doesn't it? Well, I mean, certainly you need to think about your currency exposure alongside the equity exposure because you, you generally are going to need to hedge it. Uh, but, you know, if you think of markets particularly like Japan and in the good old days, the U.K., you know, a, a strong dollar and a weak local currency normally translated into to above average uh, returns for those markets. So you certainly in Japan more see the benefit from the weaker yen on the market. But then you, of course, have to take into account the currency side. What about uh, the call that we've got from uh, Goldman Sachs and BlackRock out overnight? They're both uh, looking pretty sour on equities, at least in the short to medium term, uh, given the uh, the risk of global recession. Uh, what's your view on that? Well, and when, you know, again, it comes down to the timing, and, and wouldn't I wouldn't think disagree uh, in the medium term if there is a silver lining to any of this. I mean, we, it is possible that the real rates uh, have have topped out. I mean, we've had a big move in expectations for the Fed uh, at the same time that inflation expectations are pretty stable. Now, up to now, the increase we've had in real rates this year, which has just been huge and, and very quick, has been catastrophic for growth stocks. But now, if we have some stability in real rates, at least on a relative basis, uh, I think you could start seeing better performance of growth versus value. So uh, given your call on real rates, are you thinking inflation's peaked at this point, that the Fed could uh, pivot pretty soon to at least slower rate hikes? 
Well, I think we need to differentiate between realized inflation and inflation expectations. So in terms of realized inflation, yes, it actually probably has peaked, certainly on a headline basis. And if you look at most estimates for the level of inflation a year from now, be it from the Fed itself, be it from the market, be it from economists, it should be, you know, around three, three and a half, which, you know, is clearly a pretty big deceleration from here. But what's going to matter in terms of longer term bond yields are inflation expectations, and they've really been quite stable for a while. I mean, because of the credibility the Fed has that they are going to get inflation back down to target. Inflation expectations have remained very well anchored. All right, Daniel, thanks as always for your thoughts. Really appreciate it. Daniel Morris joining us this morning, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 553 on Wall Street. It is time now for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Big tech companies, including Google, Apple, and Microsoft, reached a deal to end claims that their phones and laptops infringe a semiconductor patent owned by an Irish company. A proposed class action charges the benefits of Walmart's paid subscription service are misleading, and the automatic renewal option is deceptive. Lilly USA is being sued by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for allegedly intentionally failing to hire older workers because of their age. Bloomberg Law. Every Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. Tom Barrick, the founder of Colony Capital and a close ally of Donald Trump, is on trial for using his access to the former president to secretly help the United Arab Emirates try to gain influence over American foreign policy. Prosecutors say Barrick and his former assistant, Matthew Grimes, were the eyes and ears and voices of the UAE, providing the country with sensitive information and access to the highest levels of U.S. government. But the defense says Barrick was merely a globe-trotting businessman who ran a $40 billion investment fund and has a spotless record of only pursuing legitimate business and political interests. For more on the case, June Grasso speaks to Bloomberg legal reporter Patricia Hurtado. So is the defense he didn't do it or he didn't get money for it? It's both. That he didn't do it and if he got money, it was because of investments that were just separate and apart from any kind of activity. Basically, that he denies any wrongdoing. He denies being an unregistered foreign agent. He denies acting and lobbying on behalf of the United Arab Emirates. And in fact, he's argued that there are actually points where he was advocating for Qatar, and they were basically sworn enemies. So why would you support one country and then support another country when they're enemies? What would you say from the opening statements is the best piece of evidence the prosecution has? Well, I mean, the other thing that he's charged with is lying to the FBI about this investigation when they question him point blank. Now, a lot of the evidence has been alluded to, but it's under seal because it's classified. (laughs) So half of the documents that get filed are blacked out. According to the defense, they expect to call people in the former Trump administration to discuss that Trump and high-ranking officials in the Trump administration were aware that Barrick was talking to the Emiratis, and this was just the way they did business. And they were using Barrick because he was well-known to them, 
there's some possibility that high-ranking members of former Trump administration could be called in to testify, including Jared Kushner and former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson and former Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin about what did Barrick say and what did you know about it. Lying to the FBI is one of the prosecution's sort of fallbacks in these cases, and that's an easy case for the prosecution to make because the FBI usually has the answers before they ask the questions. Yeah, but it's interesting because they're arguing the same defense Martha Stewart made, which is, I mean, you took notes by hand, but you didn't record it. How do you know? You didn't write the questions down. How do we know that the answer was wrong when you don't have the question he answered? And so how's the jury supposed to infer the worst possible interpretation? And that's Bloomberg legal reporter Patricia Hurtado speaking with June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. Again, futures are on the rise. S&P futures up 26 points. Dow futures up 144. And NASDAQ futures are up 105. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.